Hello, and welcome to the Legal Concierge Podcast, hosted by Warner Lewis. Warner addresses a wide range of legal questions, situations, and solutions that may apply to you. The information provided in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or accounting advice of any kind. Warner Lewis is an experienced, trusted resource whose mission is to help you find the answers you need when you're not sure who to turn to. Warner can refer you to a competent lawyer in your area of concern if appropriate. Chat with Warner live every Tuesday on YouTube or Facebook. And now, Warner Lewis, the legal concierge. Hello, one and all. Welcome to, oh, perhaps I should add myself back into the um, into the stream. Here I am. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome back to the Legal Concierge podcast. We're excited to have you here as we launch this brand new year. Uh, our mission is to educate as many people as possible about legal stuff, about the law and uh, how they can uh, better find access, find better and easier access to professionals who will help them accomplish their legal needs and uh, accomplish their goals. This is really an important uh, part of our mission, uh, which is to provide broader access to the population uh, to legal services and legal solutions. And today we're going to talk about the main subject essentially is, do I need a lawyer to prepare my will and trust? And the answer to that is increasingly today, not necessarily. Um, And we'll talk more about the evolution of the law and the regulation of the law as an industry in the United States. And uh, again, our purpose is to to broaden the public's access to easy, cost-effective, comprehensive legal solutions. um, And that's the goal. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit today about do I need a lawyer to prepare my will and trust? Well, Let's talk a little bit about the history of the legal profession. Back in 1877, uh, 20 lawyers from 20 states got together and they created, they founded the American Bar Association. This was back in 1877, so 150 years ago or so, 145 years ago. And their purpose then was to set up guidelines for legal education because prior to 1877, all of our, our legislators, Uh, And there were lawyers, but they weren't regulated. They weren't necessarily, they were not formally educated. They were informally educated. Like George Washington, for example, back in the day uh, near Gloucester, Virginia, as a young man, his job was to survey the lands around Williamsburg, Virginia. And he was tasked with doing the meets and bounds, with measuring out the different plots of lands and recording who owned what piece of land. So that was George Washington's first uh, experience. One of his first experiences as a professional uh, was dealing with the legality of ownership of property. No formal background in in the law, but just self-taught and because of self uh, curiosity, right? An interest in finding a need and fulfilling the need, basically self-educated. So for all those years from the 1700s, Uh, For 100 years, there was no uh, requirement for a person to practice law. You might have your uh, the wise person in the town uh, representing you if you uh, had a legal matter. Uh, You could read up on the law and and uh, uh, be able to help other people. 
as a lawyer, if you will, or someone who is educated in the law, but there was no formal education. So in 1877, lawyers got together and founded the American Bar Association for the purpose of establishing standards for legal education to set requirements for gaining membership into the Bar Association. And so basically what um, lawyers back then did almost 150 years ago was to create a structure which essentially kept non-lawyers or non-educated people out of the legal profession. Uh, so sort of cynically, these days, one might look at the American Bar Association over the last 50 or 60 years as a trade association of lawyers designed to keep non-lawyers or competitors outside of their area of practice. So for um, years, um, lawyers have established rules against the unauthorized practice of law. And so they would go against non-lawyers and prohibit them from practicing and encroaching upon their their livelihoods. So in Arizona, it's a little different. It's sort of been the Wild West here for a long time. Uh, and back in 1984, the laws that prohibited the unauthorized practice of law, in 1984, those laws sunsetted. In other words, those laws no longer applied. And so for that, that next 10-year period from 1984 to 1994, when I became involved in the industry as a newbie, working with others who were you know, educated, obviously, and knew how to do this, learning from them. But there was no prohibition against non-lawyers serving the legal needs of um, people, individuals, and businesses here in the state of Arizona. So that upset a lot of lawyers that they couldn't really come against non-lawyers for practicing law. Um, but in, let's see, 1994, when I started, I was not licensed, obviously. Uh, but was providing legal information, never any advice. But in 2003, the Arizona State Legislature and the Arizona Supreme Court determined that consumers would be better served by having a competitive legal services marketplace. So they began to and they initiated the Certified Legal Document Preparer Program because they knew that there were hundreds of non-lawyers preparing legal documents in the state of Arizona, they weren't going to get them to go away. So they decided to regulate them and have the purpose of providing greater access to legal services to consumers. So they set up a certification called an Arizona Certified Legal Document Prepare Program. Uh, there's a licensing requirement. You have to pass a test, do all kinds of studying. Uh, we do, I'm a CLDP myself, a Certified Legal Document Preparer. Uh, every year we do 10 hours of continuing education. We have to renew our license every two years. There's a disciplinary board uh, that is there to hear complaints against uh, certified legal document preparers. And I would venture to guess that, you know, lawyers can sometimes get in trouble with the bar. And the bar sometimes is fairly lenient with lawyers. In the case of certified legal document preparers, they would, they would throw the book at us pretty hard. So there is a bit of a difference there. Not that there shouldn't be, because I know that they want to protect consumers. Uh, but by and large, most certified legal document preparers do what they do very well, uh, more cost effectively than traditional uh, sources of, of the law, like through lawyers. So uh, in, uh, in 2020, Arizona, just a year or so ago, Arizona launched this initiative to, to broaden access to legal services by looking into different ways that they could license non-lawyers 
to help serve uh, consumers essentially uh, in achieving their and accomplishing their legal needs. So for example, um, there could be, uh, they're talking about developing a program of ambassadors where you would have to study and become certified, get a license to become an ambassador to walk people through the process in a landlord, landlord tenant disputes, for example, in divorce disputes, in bankruptcy, in different areas that are very common uh, where a non-lawyer could be easily trained to help marshal uh, consumers through this process. So Arizona was the, was the pioneer in this arena in 2003 when they established a certified legal document prepare program. California came along very quickly with an LDA program, a legal document assistance program that allowed a non-lawyer, uh, once licensed and certified, to help consumers fill in the blanks on legal forms. So not as much breadth uh, and depth of being able to help clients as a certified legal document prepare program in California. But what's, what, what's interesting about the certified legal document prepare program here in Arizona is that it allows non-lawyers like me to prepare any legal document under the sun that we're competent to prepare, but we're not allowed to give legal advice, of course. Only lawyers can give legal advice, but we are authorized um, to provide legal information. So instead of saying to a client, you should do this, you shouldn't do that, that would be a legal opinion to which we're not entitled. We can say to a client, if you do this, this is the result. If you take this approach, this is what you can expect. Uh, but other people want to take this approach um, and this is what they accomplish by doing that. So we provide consumers, individuals, families, business owners, real estate investors, uh, a, a wide swath of consumers with basic legal services by providing them with enough legal information to make fully informed decisions for themselves without telling them what to do. So if a client were to make a, a choice and say, well, I want what's behind door number two, and I know from 27 years of experience, I can't believe it's been 20, 27 years, but after all this experience, I, I know it's not the best solution for them. But I won't say, oh, you shouldn't do that. I might say something like, well, what if this were to happen? What if that were to happen? What if the next thing were to happen? To sort of bring them back around with enough legal information, explaining to them how things work, to arrive at the appropriate solution for themselves. So it's actually an empowering approach um, as a provider of legal services to the consumer because we provide them with enough legal information to make fully informed decisions for themselves. So that being said, do I need a lawyer to prepare my will and trust? Not no, not necessarily. You do not. Um, uh, one can, of course, uh, engage an attorney, and that can be very appropriate depending on the circumstances. But according to the American Bar Association, only 3% of attorneys, that's about 57,000 attorneys out of 1.4 million nationwide, are competent or claim competence in the area of estate uh, planning, wills, and trusts. Only 3%. So obviously, if 90 million Americans need help, 57,000 or 54,000 attorneys are not going to be able to help 30 million people. So more and more states now are beginning, are beginning to create what they call legal sandboxes. In other words, sort of controlled environments in which non-lawyers can, can uh, collaborate with lawyers and other circumstances that do not require one to be a lawyer to sort of see how that works out. Everybody's looking at the Arizona Certified Legal Document Prepare Program, knowing that it is possible to equip and authorize non-lawyers to do what lawyers do. And it's gotten to the point where 
many lawyers that I've spoken with are wondering why the heck they ever went to law school and incurred all of this debt in order to become educated, um, going into a uh, into an industry that was pretty much a guarantee of success. You know, one works for years for a firm, then becomes a partner, and you work some more years as a partner, and you retire with some nice coin in the bank. Uh, that model is really most uh, 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 law school graduates are not going that traditional route. Uh, I was two years ago in Chicago at a symposium for lawyers and talking about the law and these changes in the law. And uh, I think LegalZoom senior vice president was there and a bunch of other movers and shakers in the legal services industry. And there were three colleges being represented by their career placement professionals saying, we can't find jobs for our lawyers, for our, I should say, for our Juris Doctor graduates, our law school graduates. There just aren't the traditional, there's the traditional path for a lawyer just didn't exist anymore. So a lot of those lawyers were faced with having to become entrepreneurs, right? Finding ways to innovate using technology and, and other um, artificial intelligence and things like this to create opportunities for themselves in the legal field uh, short of being the traditional uh, lawyer in a law firm and and retiring 35 years later uh, as a, you know, a, hopefully a wealthy retiree. That was the plan, but not so much anymore. So uh, in any case, this movement, the, the whole legal system seems to be turning on its head, seems to have been turned on its head by all of these changes uh, in technology where one can go online, fill in the blanks and produce a will or a trust. I'm not recommending those because usually the result of those uh, software solutions is lowest common denominator. I don't know about you, but I'm not an, a lowest common denominator type circumstance or person. I require more uh, hands-on, more consultative approach to my unique needs. And that includes most of us. You know, many of these software programs that you can pay a couple hundred dollars and generate a, a document online by yourself will say in their EULA, in their software agreement, look, we're not guaranteeing this or the suitability of our software for any particular purpose. In fact, some of them that I've read say you use this software at your own risk. We're not giving you any guarantee or warranty that it will work out the way you expect it to. So um, there's something, something in the middle between the software program uh, and the full-blown uh, law firm that's going to charge three, four, five, six hundred dollars an hour and more, uh, or four to five thousand dollars for a trust and up. Uh, there's there's this middleware, this middle space where um, uh, entrepreneurs like myself can become properly licensed and can assist clients uh, in the process of getting their legal documents um, put into into place. So uh, what I'm going to do? Oh, is there a cost for my services? Wow, that's a great question. So the initial consultation, let, let me do this. Let me go to, um, to the slide, okay? And I want to uh, just say, if you have any questions about any of this, uh, go ahead and contact us. Uh, go ahead and take that full screen, Toby, if you don't mind, or more full screen, where you can schedule a free consultation. That So to answer this question, is there a cost for the services? The consultation, the initial consultation is always at no charge. I will speak with anyone in a consultative uh, environment to get an idea of what the circumstances are, no charge. And so that's, uh, I think, a, a valuable service that uh, we can provide. 
If you do have questions about anything that we've discussed so far or about estate planning, business planning, asset protection planning in general, feel free to call or to go to my calendar. You can go directly to my calendar link at uh, calendly.com slash Warner hyphen one and send your questions and or send your questions to Warner at legal hyphen concierge.net. I'd be happy to answer all of your questions. So let's uh, let's go back to this this whole idea of of uh, legal services and how legal services are changing. So recently, I just read that Utah became the first state, excuse me, that allowed lawyers, no, sorry, that allowed non-lawyers to own a law firm. In other words, 100% owned by non-lawyers. In Utah, you can now go and do that. I think in Arizona, you still have to have a lawyer involved. Uh, and I'm not sure if they saw the question as to whether the non-lawyer can have a majority interest, like 80% for the founder and 20% for the attorney who's the wing person. Um, I think the issue there is that they wanna make sure that the tail doesn't wag the dog. In other words, that if there is legal advice needed, that the non-lawyer as the employer cannot influence the legal decision-making or curtail the, the legal opinion generating power that only the lawyer has. So we're still sort of um, dancing in this gray area to find out how, uh, how we can create an acceptable uh, environment where uh, the free enterprise is honored, uh, where the freedom of, of you know, creating businesses and the freedom of speech can be honored. Uh, what is interesting to me is that some other changes are occurring as well now, uh, beginning of 2021, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the prohibition against attorneys sharing fees with non-lawyers has been done away with in the state of Arizona. So now lawyers can compensate non-lawyers for their participation in perhaps referring a legal matter to them and that sort of thing. So things are really changing quite a bit for the lawyer. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a big issue for many of them. Um, so if you have if you have a legal circumstance, uh, this is where legal concierge comes in. So I have Life Planning Inc., which is the legal document preparation firm, been in business for 27 years. Uh, we prepare uh, estate planning documents, wills, trusts, powers of attorney. Uh, we do business planning documents, LLCs, bylaws um, for corporations, and all of the corporate documentation and filings needed for a properly established and administered LLC or corporation in this state and in any other state. Uh, we also have documents set for estate planning for all 50 states. So although we don't, uh, we don't set up a physical presence in the other 49 states, we do have referrers, uh, financial advisors, accountants, broker dealers, financial institutions who refer their clients to us. And by disclosure, we explain, look, we're not lawyers. We don't give legal advice. If you need legal advice, we can introduce you to a lawyer who can provide that advice, but we're not the source of advice. We will, however, give you enough information, legal information to make fully informed decisions to yourself. And because we do have a national footprint and we have documents that are specific to each of the 50 states, we're a really great firm for younger, uh, more mobile uh, parts of the population who are you know, changing careers and moving from state to state. Uh, we're a great company to work with because we can, as you move and as you grow and as your needs evolve and become more sophisticated, we can we can uh, uh, go and grow with you 
so that the documents that you require in a new state uh, can be easily had. And, and um, so that works out well. So Legal Concierge is the, the host of this podcast, but Legal Concierge is actually more. It's a, it's a boutique lawyer matching service for those individuals who all of a sudden find themselves in need of legal advice. And what happens if you get a traffic ticket, if, you, if you're sued for some reason, or if you need to sue someone else, you need a lawyer, but you say to yourself, I need a lawyer. Well, you don't just need a lawyer. You need a lawyer who is a specifically trained and competent in that particular area of the law, which your circumstances requires. So when we say, oh, I need a lawyer, and somebody goes, oh, I know a lawyer, and you go to that lawyer and the lawyer says, yeah, well, this is not the kind of case that I really, they may or may not say it. Uh, they may just accept whatever case comes through the door and then learn as they go to expand their skill set. Because there are literally hundreds of different areas of legal dispute and legal matters that can come up from divorce to bankruptcy to just a landlord tenant to medical malpractice to just a ton of different circumstances that require specialization. So the legal concierge is this boutique lawyer matching service for the client cost the client nothing so here's how it works if if you or someone that you know needs a lawyer uh direct them to us we will listen to the circumstance probably ask them to write down uh, an account of uh their legal circumstance of what the legal matter contains what it what it pertains to and then we can find the right lawyer and present that fact set to the lawyer and say, so what do you think? Is this something that you can take? Is it something that you think you can do a great job with? Is this something that you can do for a flat fee? And this is one of the biggest, so we can find the right lawyer, but the trick is to find the right lawyer at the right cost. So most lawyers charge by the hour. So when you ask a lawyer, how much is this going to cost me? The most common answer is, well, it depends. It depends on what? It depends on how complex it is, how much time it takes, and all of these other things. I get it. But there's, there's some, some flexibility for the lawyer to say, well, okay, so at the end, here's how much, here's how much it's going to cost you. And it can often be surprising. I had a matter uh, to prepare some, many years ago, uh, to prepare some, some uh, business-related uh, services, documents, and I got a bill for $60,000. I'm like, wait a minute, 60 grand, that's a lot of money. Um, how do you come up with that, with that value, with that cost? And the lawyer said, well, you know, um, what do you think? What do you think you should pay me? And I said, well, I think what you did was worth $20,000, $15,000. I said, fine, that's fine. Just write me a check for 15 grand, we'll be done. So there's this, this, this disparity uh, between the provider of the legal service oftentimes and the consumer. Uh, and so our goal in terms of what it's going to cost. And so our goal, our mission and our process includes finding the right lawyer qualified for that particular matter that you or someone that you know of requires and to do it on as much as possible on a fixed fee basis. In other words, where the attorney says, I will agree to, to invest this much time and produce this result in exchange for this much money. And that way, as consumers, we have the peace of mind of knowing what that specifically designed or defined, I should say, that specifically defined matter is going to cost. 
So there's a real value, I think, to consumers, to having a middle person, to having a concierge, if you will, to be the, the matchmaker between that particular legal need and the right legal provider, legal services provider at the right price. So that, my friends, is the difference between the two companies. Um, Life Planning Inc. does the legal document preparation for those areas of the law in which we are competent. But Legal Concierge is that boutique matchmaking service between a legal need and a lawyer in areas that we're not competent. So if you have questions about that, let's go ahead and put up the, um, the slide. Thank you, Toby, uh, for scheduling a free consultation, never a cost for that initial half hour, even an hour, if that's what it takes. Um, I don't have the clock running. It's one of the big advantages of working with a company like ours, not lawyers. We don't bill by the minute. Uh, we just want to make sure that that consumers needs are heard and met appropriately and cost effectively. Now, this service does not, the legal concierge service, the matchmaking service to the right lawyer does not cost the consumer a dime. Uh, we'll present the matter to attorneys that we find are qualified and the attorney uh, will compensate us for the fees. With the fees that they receive, they'll cut us a little piece and that's how we, that's how we make a little bit of money every time we match a legal need with the right legal services provider. So if you have any questions about this, feel free to give a call. Um, are there any areas of law that we do not work with? Uh, that's a great question. And we do not work with most areas of the law. Our wheelhouse is estate planning, business planning, asset protection planning, and certain business and real estate transactions that are closely held. So between family members, between partners of a business that, that do not involve securities law and much more you know, sophisticated and complex uh, requirements, we do those things. And we do it uh, on the basis of competence, first of all, and secondly, being able to impart enough information and knowledge to help consumers make fully informed decisions for themselves, because we can't give them an opinion. We can't say, oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't. So, but whenever uh, a lawyer is required, now legal concierge is uniquely positioned to find the right lawyer for you. And we're happy to do that. So if you have a legal, if you have a, a, a legal need of any kind, we're a great first stop to make. And then we can, if we can't serve you, then we can find the right professional to do that for you. So here's an interesting question. Can any lawyer do a will? Sure. Any lawyer can prepare any legal document under the sun. But the question is, are they competent in that area of the law? So um, for example, my grandmother's and grandfather's lawyer was a New York lawyer, prepared living wills for them. And they used a living will format that was fine in New York, but didn't work in Oklahoma where my grandparents resided. So the day that my father went to the hospital to take his mother off of life support, they looked at her living will and they said, sorry, you can't use that living will in Oklahoma. It doesn't meet our requirements for the form factor or the content. So my dad was pushed away, was turned away at the hospital saying, nope, you can't take your mom off life support. So my dad went to the judge and said, judge, clearly it's my mother's wish not to be kept alive. Here's the document signed, notarized, witnessed. Clearly, she did not want to be kept alive in this circumstance. And the judge said to my dad, if you use that document to take your, your mother off life support, we will try you for murder in the state of Oklahoma. So my dad took his mother home, got three, um, got nurses round the clock, skilled nursing care to 
take care of her while she was in this vegetative comatose state. And she survived almost three years. So this is why I started in a business, because it is so easy to do things wrong. There's a million ways to mess things up and usually one or two ways to do them right. So yes, a lawyer, any lawyer can prepare a will, but what level of competence does that lawyer bring to that particular matter? Would you go to your general practitioner, your doctor, your general family doctor for brain surgery? Heck no. So it's the same thing with any other uh, profession. You want to make sure that the person, the profession, the professional who's serving you is competent in that area. So great question. Yeah, anyone can prepare a will. In fact, you can prepare your own will. But will it include guardianship if you have legal uh, minor children? Will it include no contest provisions to keep predators away from your estate? Uh, why create a will anyway when a trust or other strategies can make sure that your assets avoid probate altogether, requiring no will whatsoever? So uh, it's a little bit complex. Most people are not well-equipped to navigate their way through this whole legal services morass. We have so many different choices and most of them are not appropriate for us. Oh yeah, I know a lawyer. What does he do? Oh, he, he does uh, uh, traffic accidents. You know, well, that's not the person to represent you in a civil matter. Okay. So um, that is that. So if you have any other questions, I'd be happy to, um, to field them now. Of course, while you're here and watching, if you'd kindly like, share, and subscribe, that would be totally awesome. Uh, if you have a legal need of any kind, whether it involves the type of law that we are really competent at, estate planning, business planning, asset protection planning, uh, and closely held um, uh, real estate transactions and business transactions, let us know. And if not, if there's any other legal need that arises for yourself, your family members, or friends, anyone who says, I need a lawyer, I've got a problem, send them to us because we'll understand first what their problem is, what it consists of, and who to take them to, who to present them, who to introduce them to in order to make sure that they get the right kind of advice, the right solution, the right actions are taken at a reasonable cost. Okay. So uh, thank you. This one is going to be mercifully brief. Uh, wish you all a very, very happy new year and all the best and success and love and everything, all the good things that life has to offer. I wish for you in this new year of 2022. Um, I'm hopeful and confident. Uh, you know, the World Health Organization just came out yesterday or so and said that vaccines probably aren't as helpful now as just herd immunity, letting everyone catch this latest form of, of COVID which has gotten gradually weaker and weaker and less and less lethal and less and less serious. Let everybody get it. And, and that's how you, uh, that's how our bodies deal with viruses like this. And we acquire them, our antibodies come fight them. So that's my hope is that all of this insanity uh, around masks and, and um, uh, vaccinations, you know, uh, subsides, you know, I've had both shots. I had COVID after both shots. So, I mean, it's just, I pray and trust that it's all going to work out. If I've offended you because of my position, oh, well. Uh, but, you know, I believe in freedom and uh, a free marketplace and just freedom of, of expression, uh, freedom from uh, ridiculous government mandates about having to wear a mask. You know, they say that, um, that wearing a mask to stop COVID is like trying to stop a mosquito using a chain link fence. I don't know if you've seen that electron microscope photograph of the COVID 
uh, virus uh, emits the mesh of the mask, and that virus can get out any way it wants. So God bless us all. I hope life is great for you in the new year, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you for joining the Legal Concierge Podcast, hosted by Warner Lewis. Kindly hit the subscribe button below and leave a comment or question regarding your particular legal situation. Feel free to submit ideas for future shows as well. We appreciate your sharing this podcast with family and friends so they can find answers and solutions to their legal situation as well. Check the notes below for links to valuable resources. See you again next week.